1: and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
2: Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike
3: The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links here on MMAFighting.com on our YouTube page and debuting on the MMAFighting.com Twitter page. How about that? Thank you for watching. And as always, we're putting you to work. So leave your thoughts on how these rounds play out on the topics themselves. You could make the difference, my friends, and you could see your Wonderful thoughts right here on the big screen. But we have a lot to discuss. We have a heck of a matchup for the BTL Strap. Let us introduce the combatants and get to our first topic. First, the challenger, a good friend of the website. She's been on some post-fight shows, the A-side, a veteran of 27 professional fights for the likes of the UFC, PFL, Invicta, Strikeforce, and others looking to add another championship to her collection. Let us say hello to Sarah Kaufman. How are you, Sarah?
2: Pew, pew. (laughs) we're ready we're ready to fight we're ready to win
3: there we go that's what we like to see it's a it's a two-on-one for our reigning defending btl champion he's back looking to separate himself as possibly the pound for pound best competitor in the short history of the program from mmafighting.com the host of the a-side live chat mr jose youngs how are you sir
4: well, I'm already behind the eight ball. Let's keep it honest. Anytime there's a professional fighter, someone close to the only judge that matters in Casey Lydon, I'm already down one nothing. And she brings a dog on in the show. I don't want to say it's a conspiracy, but it's definitely a conspiracy. So I'm already losing. It is what it is. I'll still win. <laughs> okay.
3: Well... Those them to be fighting words. Let's let's just start right out with the big news of the week. You heard my reaction and my colleague Stephen Morocco's reaction to this already. But Dana White announced on Monday evening that UFC 261 will take place in Jacksonville, Florida, in front of a full house of fans. And on top of that... We have a third title fight for that card and a main event. The rematch between Kamar Usman and Jorge Mazada will close the show and we'll follow Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica Andrade for the flyweight title and Zhang Wei Li versus Rose Namutis for the strawweight title. Sarah, we will begin with you. First fight in front of a full house since the pandemic started. Your reaction to this piece of business? Was this the right fight to make for the welterweight title? Was this the right fight to make to headline this event?
2: I think to headline the event, it's a great great matchup. They're in Florida. Both of these guys have spent a lot of time in Florida. Masvidal clearly has a huge following out there, so he's going to get big fan appeal. He always does, but especially in what he now considers his home state. And I think I don't know if he's originally from there um, or has spent all of his time there, but I think in terms of Florida, it's a great choice. I think in terms of the division, it's not the best choice. Masvidal has not had a win or any fight since he last fought Usman. Yes, he came in short notice. He took it to a decision, um, but I don't think that he at this point deserves to have another title shot, uh, especially given Usman's been in there. He's fought a lot of the top people. Uh, Masvidal hasn't. If you look at the top 10 list, Masvidal has had very few matchups uh, against those people in the division, whereas Usman has fought many of those top, uh, has beaten them, and he's in that top spot right now.
3: Jose, what say you? Fight to make. What did you what did you think of this news? I don't think the news and the fight itself was a surprise, but to have it headline already in April, first event in front of fans, a capacity crowd in the United States since the pandemic began. Was this the right fight to make to headline that event?
4: Uh, I actually do agree with Sarah. It's the right fight to make to for the first fight back, especially if it's in Florida. It's not the right fight to make if you like the meritocracy of the UFC. Rankings, take that for what you want. But Kamara Usman's pretty much beat everyone in the top five, and we were all agreed that if he has to go all the way down to Stephen Thompson to fight a, to get a new fresh matchup, so we were all hoping possibly for Stephen Thompson, especially because he's getting closer to 40, he might not be able to compete for the UFC title uh, for much longer, or at least get a shot. Or Leon Edwards, depending on what happened against Bilal Muhammad, but we all know what happened uh, with in that fight. So if it's in Florida and it's the first fight back, and they want to really sell out a massive arena, because let's not forget. Ever since this happened, Dana White has been saying, we will be the first. We will be the first. We will be the first to sell out a big, massive arena. Yes, WrestleMania is the week before in Florida, in Tampa, but that is limited capacity. It's still 40,000 fans. It is what it is. It's not 70,000. It's still 40,000. Dana White wants to be the absolute first professional sport to sell out an arena. He's not going to have as many fans in attendance, but there will be no empty seats. So, yes, if he's trying to sell tickets in the state of Florida in the year of 2021 – Right fight to make, not the right fight if you care about rankings.
3: Yeah, I mean, we knew this was going to happen at some point with fans being back at full capacity. Dana has been preaching for a while he wanted to be first. He won't be first, but he'll be one of the first to do it. Uh, Who knows if the Rangers will sell at opening day. But are you surprised, Jose, that it's happening so soon? Like, what's your reaction to this happening in a little over a month?
4: Uh, I think it's tough to say because they announced it relatively recently. But for all we know, those two have known for a long time because where there's smoke, there's fire. And where Kamara Usman was called out Jorge Masvidal immediately after beating Gilbert Burns, Jorge Masvidal said he was ready. So, no, it doesn't surprise me because I am on the side where these two have known a lot longer than the public has known. So for all we know, they're a month into camp already, and this isn't a quick turnaround.
3: What do you think, Sarah? Just, Just the announcement of having it in front of a full house like this with the pandemic and all this stuff. Not surprised Dana wanted to be back this quickly, but are you surprised it's happening this quickly?
2: I mean, nothing really surprised me when it comes to decisions that are made. And when UFC was first continuing to keep fights and everything else was shut down, um, that was... Rhino agrees with me. She's upset. (laughs) Um, she, She won't be quiet. But anyways, UFC does what they need to do to make things happen. Clearly, they want to be the first. They're going to push this forward. Whether I... Can you even hear me? Oh, my gosh. This dog. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Rhino! Stop! Uh, No one cares. They just care about the dog barking. I'm so sorry. It's okay.
3: This is this is a uh, very active pup. Very, very excited dog. But uh, kind of going back to the matchup, like Usman wanted this fight after he stopped Gilbert Burns. Mazdal wanted this fight, obviously, after UFC 251. Both guys get a full camp this time. But, you know, the first fight wasn't received very well amongst the fans, and the circumstances are a bit different this time around. Mazdal fighting in Florida, obviously, like you guys talked about, is a big deal. Usman obviously has ties to Florida. The build to this fight is key, Sarah. It will be fun, I'm sure, but you being a fighter... Getting the win, obviously, is the most important thing and making that money. But considering how the first fight went, is it important in the grand scheme of things that this fight is different, that it's action-packed and it delivers for the fans?
2: The answer should be yes. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be what's going to win you the fight. Now, I know last time Usman kind of went in with that, let's grind him out, let's make him tired, he's not in shape. Masvidal for sure is going to come differently for this fight so I do think it will be different but I also think that Masvidal is going to struggle again with that wrestling and with that cage control I'm sure he'll prepare for it but I do think Usman will try and get that five round decision uh, is probably going to be the result uh, and the, he's just to stay and still
3: Jose in your, your heart of hearts and it's hard to predict because you're still like five or six weeks away but do you see this fight going any differently than the first one?
4: Um, I still favor Kamaru Usman. I don't know if it will be the same outcome. Cause again, like Jorge Masvidal cut how many pounds in 48 hours. He wasn't even in camp. Cause remember back that at UFC 251, he was in the middle of that contract situation where he was asking for more money. So I have absolutely no idea how well trained he was. <laughs> Obviously he's had like 40 selling fights, so it doesn't take much for him to get ready, but to get to prepare for a fighter of Kamaru Usman's caliber is difficult. Also, let's not forget, Mike Brown was not in his corner for that fight. He couldn't go over there, so he didn't even have his head coach. So the fact that he only gets to travel a few hours rather than all the way across the other side of the world on short notice with his head coach there, I imagine his game plan and preparation will be a lot better, but I actually do think Kamaru Usman will win. I don't think it'll – I'm not on the camp that it was a boring fight, but the fact that there are fans in the crowd – might make a difference because I don't, I don't, I'm not in, I can't get inside of the mind of Usman. But if he starts to hear the boo birds in there when he's just holding the hometown favorite against the fence, I don't know how he'll react to that. I, it'll be a very interesting situation to see play out though.
3: Last thing on this, Jose, and I've already been on record saying that I have no problem with them making this fight. I actually think it's the right fight to make considering what the division looks like right now. We don't have a clear-cut number contender. You can make arguments for Wonderboy and Colby and some other guys, but in terms of drawing power and getting this division moving, I don't have a problem with this. But this will be the second time in a month and a half, Jose, that a UFC event will have three title fights. We just had 259 trio of title fights. We also have Chris Weidman, Uriah Hall on this card. We get Anthony Smith versus Jimmy Crude on this card, plus some other fun matchups. Is this card equal to, greater than, or less than 259 on paper as it stands right now?
4: Ooh, that is a really good question. I'm going to say as of right now, it's a little better. There's a lot of heat on the top of the card. And again, we had a lot of heat between Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling leading up to that fight, but it wasn't the main event. Anytime it's the main event, and that's the drawing power, and there's some sort of heat behind it, and I think a lot of people agree that Jessica Andrade might pose the biggest threat to Valentina Shevchenko, and then uh, Zhang Wei Li and Rose Namunas are two of the biggest fan favorites, and I think this fight, this is the most competitive fight of the three title, title fights on this card, and I think a lot of people thought Amanda Nunes was going to win against Megan Anderson, so I'm going to say right now, in terms of just competitiveness and rivalry building up, it's better than UFC
3: 259. Sarah, what do you think? Agree or disagree with Jose?
2: I would like to disagree just so I could state my opinion, but I do agree. I think that these three fights, I think all across the board, have fan appeal, have excitement, and have the potential to be very great fights uh, with everyone knowing all six fighters in the event um, or in those title fights. I think the last card, you had some who were somewhat unknown or maybe not as big of names, uh, still great fights. Um, but I definitely think that this has a, a stronger a stronger selling point.
3: April twenty-fourth, it all goes down. We'll clearly talk about this card more the closer we get to it. But a, a big piece of news earlier this week, no doubt about that. But the point for round one goes to the champion, Jose Young's on the board, up one to nothing. It's not Sarah's fault. It's kind of Rhino's fault, but it is what it is. <laughs> I blame Rhino. Yeah, it happens, That's but fair. he's been quiet ever since. So there we go. But we uh, we go from that big news to more in unfortunate matters. Another tough ending to a big fight went down this past Saturday at UFC Vegas 21. Leon Edwards finally gets back in the octagon after nearly two years away. He takes on the surging Bilal Muhammad. Leon looked fantastic in the first round and then a nasty eye poke from Leon Edwards to Bala Muhammad stops the fight and it was just rough for everyone involved. Jose, you have talked about this quite a bit. We talked about it on the post-fight show. I know you talked about it on the A side, but let's just ask, has the sting lessened over the last five days? Uh...
4: The sting for us fans, I, I don't know because some fans are obviously much more invested into the scenario than me, especially fans of both like the fans of the U.K. obviously are very behind Leon Edwards. And then Bilal Muhammad is one of the more popular fighters uh, in, in the United States, especially in the in the Chicago area. Uh, but for the division and for Bilal Muhammad, the sting definitely hasn't worn off because we got no. How will Leon Edwards look? Can he win and get his long awaited title shot And so, no. The sting has not worn off for either fighter. Leon Edwards stabbed a man in the eye, got a no decision, and then he's already calling for a title fight. I disagree. I don't like... I mean, I disagree with him in terms of he said that I deserve a title shot right now. I just think there weren't enough questions that were answered. Uh, I wouldn't hate if they ran it back, but I do understand Leon Edwards wants to move onward and upwards. So if they match him up against Burns, Wonderboy, or Covington for an actual number one contender fight, wouldn't mind either. Uh, But The biggest loser in this is Bilal Muhammad. Went in there on short notice, didn't get his full paycheck, got stabbed in the eye. Who knows when he comes back and he's already being overlooked by the man that just stabbed him in the eye. So yeah, Sting has a worn off for everyone involved.
3: Sarah and Rhino, I'm interested to get your perspective on the ending to that fight. Since, you know, you obviously competed many times in the cage. How unfortunate was this ending as a fighter to watch? And was the no contest... The right call here. What did you make of the eye poke, the whole thing?
2: Eye pokes, they always say in the back, if you poke someone in the eye, we're going to take a point because we're giving you our warning. So it's hard because clearly no one means to eye poke, especially when you go to throw a punch, you go to push off. It does happen, but you are warned that in the back, you're already given your warning. And if it happens, you get a point deduction. So it is a little bit controversial to me when they say that in the back, you still get a warning when it does happen. At the end of the day, I think it was clearly accidental. It wasn't meant, it wasn't intended. Um, Leon was winning the fight. And so I see from his standpoint, he has a lot to lose. He took the fight because no one else would step up when the original opponent was out. Bilal steps in, they have the same event, the fight's going well, this you know, horrific eye injury happens. Bilal is clearly upset. He clearly wants to continue, but obviously can't. Um, it, it's just unfortunate all around. I do think that they should rematch uh, because it. while he won the first round and was on his way to looking good, there were still over three and a half rounds left in, in this fight, and a lot can change. Bilal is so talented uh, and could have definitely turned that fight around. I, I agree that it's unfortunate for Bilal here. In Leon's eyes, well, I was doing well, I was winning, I poked him in the eye. But it happens. It's a no contest. He moves forward. He wants to move on. I think they need to run it back, but it's definitely um, harder on Bilal because this was a big come up for him and a big win would bump him up into to a much higher position.
3: So, in the last two cards, we've gotten a DQ and a title fight, and we've gotten two no-contests the following week. So, hopefully, the the tides will turn when it comes to that coming up this Saturday and moving forward. But, Sarah, you want to see these guys run it back. And we've discussed this many times in the show. There's what should happen and what's going to happen. So, while you want to see the rematch, what do you think the chances are that the UFC is going to run this fight back?
2: I don't think that they'll try and run it back um, unless... No, everyone else says no to fighting Leon, which seemed to have been an issue in his past, and he seems to struggle to get opponents in some ways. And whether it's injuries or just people don't want to fight him because he's, you know, really good. Um, I think that they'll they'll try and move on, pair someone else up, um, but I'd like to see them run it back.
3: All right, so Jose, you think they're going to move on, not going to run it back. Edwards should get a fight with you know one of the top five guys, which would make sense at this point. Hopefully it happens sooner rather than later because he needs to get back in there and, and make a statement. But if you're Bilal Muhammad and this rematch isn't there for you, What do we do? Like, he's obviously did them a favor stepping up on short notice. He took a horrific eye poke. He's ranked in the top 15. Do we keep him with, like, the Sean Bradys of the world, or do we give him, like, somebody at least in the top 10 for stepping up and and taking a chance and trying to save this main event? I think
4: it would depend on when he physically can come back after getting stabbed in the eye because that was not – a. That was a grisly eye poke. Like he he the second it happened, you kind of knew that fight was over. He was saying, I can't see, I can't see. Yes, his vision is coming back. But he wants to take full precautions, I would imagine. So until he is fully cleared, it's hard to answer because if he's not clear, if he can't fight in six months, the the division might be completely different in six months. If he can fight in a few weeks and wants a quick turnaround, if he wants to fight in June, why not have him fight Hamzat? Leon Edwards was supposed to fight Hamzat. Bilal Muhammad is in the top 15. Hamzad is no longer in the top 15. I wouldn't hate that fight either. I think the only thing standing in the way of that is they both have the same manager and Ali Abdelaziz, but if they can get past that and set up a fight, I wouldn't hate that either. Uh, balaam Muhammad doesn't seem to have any issues with Hamzat, but if Hamzad is dead set on fighting someone in the top 15, why not that fight? It would be an act. It would be a really fun fight. It would be a good test for him fighting someone with a really good tank and really good uh, pressure, but it seems like he wants to fight Neil Magny too, which is another fight I wouldn't mind seeing. Bellam Muhammad fight, so or maybe the loser slash winner of Woodley and Luke. A. The welterweight division just absolutely rules right now. I just want to see activity. Don't really care who they fight. I just want to see them fight.
3: Yeah, activity is the name of the game. There's it, it, there's a lot of talent up there. There's a lot of intrigue, but a ton of unanswered questions at this point. We saw Gilbert Burns tweeting out earlier today. I'm looking at June. Said yes to two guys. Colby said no. We obviously don't know what Colby said about that, but these guys got to get in there and fight. Let's move this division forward because that's why Usman versus Mazadal was the clear fight to make here because there's nobody else there. It's absolutely wild, but uh, hopefully we get some answers to these questions soon. With that, we're going to head to round three. The point for round two goes to... Sarah Kaufman, she has tied things up. Rhino kept it, kept it down a smidge. That was a tailor-made question for Sarah, anyways. Like she's a fighter. Eye pokes, no contest. EQs. She's yeah. She's what right am, what pool, am I going to so. say? <laughs> you did a good Great. job though. It was close. It was
0: ten to nine and a half. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA.
1: And deposit
3: restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. But we'll move ahead to uh, some other news since we last spoke. Since we went early last week, as MMAfighting.com first reported, the UFC and Megan Anderson have parted ways following her UFC 259 loss to Amanda Nunes. She went into that event on the last fight of her deal, and that's it. She's moving on. The UFC is moving on from the Megan Anderson business, and, and that's that. So, Sarah, I will begin with you. What was your reaction to Megan Anderson's official departure from the UFC following that title fight lost to Amanda Nunez?
2: In my mind, that's showing that the direction the UFC wants to go. If Megan had won, she would have had the title. There would have been an immediate rematch for the title, I'm sure. She would have signed a new contract. Maybe that division sticks around. Uh, I think with having her fight her contract out, it looks like you know she lost that division will probably get closed down uh, and the UFC probably isn't looking to continue to have people on the roster who can't make 135. Maybe if Megan could make 135 like some of the other girls, you know, they had Macy Chieson who started at 145, has since moved down to 135. I think that's clearly the direction they're trying to go. And so having her lose, she got her opportunity. The division's over. They start to shut it down They move her on. Uh, to a different division in another organization and uh, UFC uses him for 135.
3: What was your reaction to this news Jose? I mean, I'm not, I guess because the contract was running out, I'm not overly surprised. I'm surprised that we found out about it so quickly because she jumped on Twitch and said, I'm done with the UFC. They're folding the division. But then we find out that her contract just aspired and they decided to part ways from each other. What did you think? How did you react to finding out that Megan was no longer, no longer, excuse me, with the UFC?
4: It didn't overly surprise me. Uh, I wasn't aware of her contract situation leading to that fight. Uh, It's unfortunate that, but I don't want to say it's unfortunate because if Megan wanted to leave and she wasn't happy, then it is fortunate for her that she gets to explore new options. She just got the big Twitch partnership, which she made it known Less than one percent of the world that streams on Twitch ever get a partnership. So she's happy with that, and she says there are more opportunities for her outside of the UFC. Maybe this is a blessing in disguise, but th- those weren't those aren't hers words. I'm just speculating right now. Uh, I think the featherweight division will continue as long as Amanda wants to fight at 145, and there are type and there are challenges for her. If Danielle Wolf wins, beats Fleesh Spencer, why not? That's a fight that could possibly happen. GDR and Holly Holm are both both. Both also fought at 145, so if they want to jump up and test themselves without having to cut weight, so be it. Uh, Megan was also pretty vocal with her uh, displeasure of the UFC's treatment of the featherweight divisions uh, and women, especially when Macy Chazin won and she dropped back down at 135. Megan Anderson kind of voiced how disappointed she was because they put this whole TV show together to find contenders, and then they all dropped back down immediately. And we've seen from our, our friend of the site, Shorty Torres, when there's a fighter that's pretty outspoken with the UFC's handling of fighters. They, the UFC tends not to like that, and maybe they cut ties with them uh, when they can, or they just they just don't welcome them back. So it uh, didn't surprise me, but it's still unfortunate if, if, if Megan wanted to continue her UFC career. But if she didn't, then happy trails to Megan. I hope she can find uh, more opportunities for her in the future.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's obviously been a lot of questions about the future of this division. We got Amanda Nunes, who's the champion. She loves being the double champ. I know Megan said on Twitch that the fight between Felicia Spencer and Danielle Wolf will be the last fight before they close the division. From all accounts, that is not true, but I, I, there, there's not a lot of options. And I think, Jose, just to kind of like go back on something you just said, if Danielle Wolf somehow beats Felicia Spencer, I think it would be absolutely criminal. For her to fight Amanda yeah. Nunez next, to two and zero, one hundred.
4: That's one hundred percent.
3: Yeah, yeah. But they were trying
4: to get like she's a she has boxing background, right? And they were trying to get who they were trying to get closer Shield to fight Amanda Nunez in an MMA fight. Remember, she came and did a scrum backstage, and she didn't even train MMA. So, would it surprise you if they threw Daniel Wolf in there against Amanda Nunez? Because it would have surprised me. It would be criminal, but it would have surprised me.
3: They weren't gonna throw her in there right away, though. She's just there, and I would. She's backstage when I threw her in there. You think it? You think there I, was some heat there? I think the fact that we that she was supposed
4: to fight in, what, December of that or the fourth quarter of some year, and there was a lot of smoke with Zufa boxing, and then the second she pulled out of her fight, Zufa boxing disappeared. I think where there's smoke, there's fire.
3: Fair enough. So kind of going back to you, Jose, Amanda loves this champ-champ thing, and it seems like she mm-hmm. would prefer to fight at 145 more often than not so she doesn't have to cut – that extra ten pounds and get down to one thirty-five. But in your opinion, what are the chances that we saw the final women's featherweight title fight at UFC two fifty-nine? Is can, can we say that this division is at least on life support until she decides yeah. to to pull the proverbial plug?
4: Yeah, I think it's at the point because when DJ was fighting for a long time and everyone said, oh, we're going to fold the flyweight division because it's not competitive. I think it's at that point right now they just need someone to challenge Amanda or someone to be a foil for Amanda that can give her a great fight. And as we've seen, uh, there hasn't really been that at 145 unless these 135ers like Holly Holm or GDR or anyone else wants to go up and test themselves without cutting weight. So. But as long as Amanda wants to be champ champ, I don't imagine Dana White closing. And I think it's lives and breathes with Amanda Nunes right now.
3: I know Aspen Ladd said uh if they offered her the, the title fight at 145, she'd be happy to jump up there and take it. But I'm kind of curious to get your take on the whole situation, Sarah, because you know we've talked, you've been on the A-side, you've been on the post-fight show. Like we're trying to get you in there. Like you deserve an opportunity to be back in there. And there's a couple of divisions that, that could suit you: 35 and 45. What do you think of this whole thing right now with 45, you know, kind of like I said, being on sort of life support right now?
2: I think Amanda is super happy to fight at 45. You know, they just had the baby. So maybe she's not training quite as much as she used to, or maybe she's training, but isn't as focused on the diet. And so fighting at 45 for her is somewhat of an easy paycheck. And this is no disrespect to the, the girls that she's fighting, but just right now her skill set. Uh, she's on fire. She's looking so good. She's looking so sharp. And and realistically, her experience versus some of the the women that she's been fighting at 145, they're easier fights for her technically than I think some of the girls at 135. And so Amanda's super happy to stay there, uh, get a paycheck, get a good paycheck, not cut weight, not put her body through that, probably have a better camp in terms of her overall experience and enjoyment of it. So I think she sticks around at 45 for as long as there are people that they can put in with her, whether they, you know, are ready or not. I would hate to see Danielle Wolf win the fight against Felicia and immediately fight Amanda. I am not saying they wouldn't do it. They very likely could, but just given her first fight in that contender series, she looked very green. She looked like she needed a lot of time to get some growth wrestling, jujitsu was not good. It, it was, Amanda would go in there, throw an overhand right, throw a leg kick, take her down. The fight would be over faster than it would be with Megan.
3: Yeah, I I, I mean, stranger things have happened. I hope they don't go that direction if that fight plays out that way, but uh, but we'll see. So Sarah, if, if, if you're the UFC right now, are you are you doing Nunez, Juliana Pena right now? Or do you think there's another way that this could go in terms of Amanda's next fight?
2: I mean, I would love to see actually Aspen Ladd and Pena and then the winner of that fight for the title. Um, I think both those girls would have a, a really great, great fight against each other, but then also set up a good fight with Amanda. Uh, I, I don't think that Pena at this point has done enough. Like she just lost Jermaine. Yes, she just won a fight, but that's one win. And I don't think that one win uh, should get her into that title shot. Um, I know that Holly, I don't think that Holly's out for very long. And I love that they were setting that fight up. Whoever wins that fight could get the title shot. So I think they give Pena one more fight. I don't know who you give Amanda right now because I don't think that anyone is super primed and ready. Um, I, I just don't think that the UFC should have done the Germain and Holly fighting on the same card uh, in Abu Dhabi back in September because what happened was both Aldana and Pena lost. Uh, they should have done Holly and Germaine, they should have done Pena and Aldana and Peña and Aldana the winner should have fought for the title. Um so it's a little bit muddled right
3: now. Yeah, or just giving Aldana the title shot to begin with and we wouldn't be in this mess right now, but here we are. Right. Uh, Jose has did, did, did Aspen Ladd convince you in any way to because I know last week you were down for for Nunes versus Peña, but did hearing what Aspen Ladd said is that changing your stance on this or are you still still all in on Nunes Peña? Um I'm
4: fine with Ladd or Pena against Amanda Nunes simply because Amanda has beaten everyone pretty much in that top five. And I just want fresh matchups. So if the UFC wants to book that and whoever wins that fight, deservedly so, should be the number one contender. No question about it. But if they don't want to lose a contender and just have Amanda fight Juliana and then maybe defend it at 145 and then fight Aspen Ladd or vice versa or whatever they want, so be it. Uh, But, yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Like if uh, Aspen Lab <laughs> made it, like she convinced me that she she should get she should get that Juliana Pena fight. But if they don't want to knock off two fresh matchups for Amanda, I get that too. It's just we're at, we're in this this era where she doesn't. You have to treat Amanda Nunes as like the GSPs and the Anderson Silvas and the Demetrius Johns. Like she's just going to have to keep fighting the same people over and over because she's beating everyone else. So I'm fine if they want to keep them apart. But I'm also more than happy to watch that because that fight is just a high level martial arts competition. And I'm all about that, whether there's title implications or not. I love Julian Halapeter versus Aspen lad, but I don't know if I want to knock off two fresh matchups so quickly.
2: Uh, side note, uh, you know who else hasn't yeah. fought, you know who else hasn't fought anyone in like the top five or top ten of the one thirty five division? Uh, you know, just a Canadian who happens yeah, to be I a was little gonna little say
4: little probably my NBA. opponent this week. Yeah, I was gonna say.
3: <laughs> We're matchmaking. We're matchmaking. We're trying to, trying to f- fit some puzzle pieces together. But either way, we, we wish Megan Anderson nothing but the best. I'm sure there will be organiz- organizations ready to uh, inquire about her services sooner rather than later. But uh, we'll move on to our last topic of regulation. The point for round three goes to... Possibly the UFC's newest Bantamweight contender, Sarah Kaufman. Up two to one.
2: Two to one.
3: There you go. Pretty still.
4: I don't think I've ever been been on the show and not been down two to one. So it is
3: what it is. (laughs) Yeah, if you're new to the show, (laughs) talk to somebody who's watched the show from the beginning. You you know what's going to happen right now. But let's head to this Saturday. The UFC (laughs) back at it once again. (laughs) UFC Vegas 22. It's headlined by Derek Brunson versus Kevin Holland, the first of three really big middleweight main events coming up over the next month. Jose, we're going to begin with you. We love to talk on this show about the stakes for these main event fights on a fight night, but I'm going to phrase it in this way because both of these guys are on a roll. Kevin Holland was at worst a top three fighter of the year guy in 2020 after going 5-0. Derek Brunson, yeah, top two, top at worst top three, probably number one on a lot of people's list. But then you have Derek Brunson who once last year and has done so many times in his career he loves to be in this spoiler role so i'm curious who has more at stake in this fight Derek brunson or kevin holland um uh, probably Derek brunson because he's at the point in his career where he's fought in a lot of the guys
4: in the in that top five like who's he lost to robert Whitaker, israel adesanya jacore soza yeah i think he definitely beat anderson silver the only thing is the only people's opinions that matter are the judges, and the judges thought Anderson Silva won that fight. Uh, but Derek Brunson's lost to pretty much the who's who at the top of the middleweight division and beaten everyone else. He's not getting any younger, so if he wants to keep continue, if he wants to continue to be a viable contender and eventually get this rematch with Israel Adesanya that he wants, he has to win. He's already lost to the champion right now. Kevin Holland has proven to be a very popular fighter. Uh, he talks a lot, even in the media days, the last few days. Derek Brunson has said. This isn't personal between me and Kevin, this and that. Isn't really selling the fight for the casual fans. He's just like, you know, he's a good fighter. We're on streaks, this and that. Kevin Holland is DMing Derek Brunson. He's talking trash (laughs) about Israel Adesanya. He's talking trash about Darren Till. He's talking so much greasiness that if he loses, I think he's built up enough of a fan base that this this won't be super detrimental to his career. There's also a ton of middleweight fights that are coming up. Uh, that Kevin Hollins can slot in there either on short notice or fights the loser, maybe fight the winner. I think Derek Brunson is more to lose right now just because he's been at this point. And to lose to someone uh, that is talking so much trash to him would be detrimental, hugely detrimental his to, to his career at, at his age. So, yeah, Derek Brunson, 100%.
3: Sarah, what do you think about this? Because like Jose said, Derek Brunson's kind of on like the back nine, so to speak, if you look at his age, but he's performing very well at this point. He's he's won three in a row. And then you have Kevin Holland, who's just on the surge. And a lot of people have like hit me up and said, listen, if Kevin Holland goes out there and stops Derek Brunson, I wouldn't be shocked if they just threw him into a title fight right away as the number 10 guy in the division. So sometimes the hot hand gets the gets the title fights and gets the big opportunities. But Looking at these two guys, where they're at in their career, who has more at stake this Saturday, Holland or Brunson? Uh,
2: Brunson definitely has more at stake in terms of his overall career. I agree with Jose that this, for him, he's not. Ha- he hasn't been nearly as active as Kevin has. You know, Kevin had, what, five fights last year? Maybe he had six fights and had won his last five. Like, it's insane how active um, he's been since 2019. And so he has this hot streak going. Uh, with how he beat Jacques Array, uh, I think he could build that back up. If something were to happen, he were to lose, he could build that back up. Again, he had three fights one in July, one in August, one in September, or August, September, October. You know, he's been so active, he could build that back up quickly. Derek Brunson, on the other hand, he hasn't been as active. He doesn't have that same, I would say, fan appeal when it comes to the trash talking and how he's building up these fights and how he's acting in the fight, people love it. People love what Kevin's doing. So I definitely think that Brunson needs to win this fight if he wants to stay anywhere close to that title picture. And I think that if Kevin wins the fight, he very well could argue uh, his way into a title shot just because he's been exciting. People are remembering him. And because of that, you know fans are behind him and, and they could set up a title shot that people would watch.
3: Kevin Holland is such an interesting guy because he's so close to a title shot. Yeah. He doesn't care that he's so close to a title shot. He just wants to fight like as much as possible. Even told me the other day when I talked to him that he's teasing, going back down to one seventy so he can stay active and just fight as often as possible. Like he doesn't care about title shots and main events and all this stuff. He just wants to fight. He's just such an interesting cat. No doubt about that. I'm really looking forward to that fight, but Sarah, I wanted to get your take on this. We'd like to, Obviously, celebrate the main events, but celebrate sort of the under the radar storylines heading into these cards. So, what other fight, what other storyline heading into Saturday sticks out to you that isn't getting enough love right now?
2: Well, I'm a huge fan of Leo Santos, and he's kind of like this quiet guy who's racked up all these bins in the division. He's on a lot of the lists for like, most consistent in terms of wins in the 155 division. But he has had you know, had a three-year layoff where he had injuries um, and fights fall through. So I'm really excited for that fight. Uh, I hope that he does really well and that he gets the win. It's going to be just kind of a young wrestler. Could be a tough fight for him. Uh, but we've we've seen him kind of step through and, and beat Kevin Lee when it was definitely unexpected with a big knockout. Uh, I think I'm the most excited, and I don't know. I think her name is buys. Not Bays, but maybe it's Cheyenne Bays. I'm not sure it's, how I pronounce it's Baze, it. It's Bayes, Bays, yeah. It's, it's Bays. So the Bays and Montserrat Ruiz fight is probably the one I am the most excited about. Yes, there's two fights, the 135 for the for the women that I of course always follow and always try and and keep an eye on, but Montserrat Ruiz and uh, Cheyenne Bays is Bays, sorry, is definitely the fight that I am the most excited for uh, on the card.
3: Yes. Uh, debut for her she was supposed to fight kay hansen that would have been a lot of fun but uh monster Act getting in there is a very interesting test for her of course her husband jp bay is also on the card making his octagon debut so what a story that would be if uh if that that young couple can go in there and get victories on the same card jose what is your under the radar fight fighter storyline heading into saturday that's not getting enough love
4: uh, I do think it's Leandro Santos and Grant Dawson. Leandro Santos, what? He hasn't lost since two thousand and nine, and like he's beaten Kevin Lee. He's beat he. What did he beat Norman Park? Or was it a draw? I, regardless, he fought. He he didn't lose to Norman Park. Like he's beaten Anthony Rocco Martin. He's beaten Efren Escudero. He's beaten Adrian Martinez. Like he's beaten people that people. He's beaten fighters that that fans no and grant dawson hasn't lost since what like four or five years too and he's like he's been on this he hasn't lost in the ufc's a contender series vet so and to me that is the people's main event for people that really follow the sport of mma obviously the co-main event rules gregor Lespie had all this hype he got decapitated inside madison square garden he had a fantastic media day saying it is what it is i'm I, I have accepted being on the highlight reel for the rest of my life with Kevin Lee. Brad Riddell, I don't know a single person in that city kickboxing camp that doesn't speak just so highly of this man. A lot of people think he is a future contender, future title title challenger, and he is so realistic with his career. When Michael Chandler signs with the UFC, Brad Riddell, I interviewed him on Fight Island. He goes, I want that fight so badly because it would be like fighting a mirror. <laughs> I am just very aware at my place in the UFC and will probably go to my teammate Dan Hooker. So it is refreshing to hear fighters that are willing to climb the ladder slowly and not just catapult themselves all the way to the top. So the two lightweight fights absolutely rule, and they are not getting enough love because the top of the 155-pound division is so in flux with what is happening with the title and and all the big names. But these fights are awesome and do not miss them
3: yes Dawson Santos is really interesting especially with Dawson bumping up to 155 for the first time he's always been a 45 er or he felt a catch weight the last time but says he's put out a lot of size since July and really interested to see what he looks like of course Julia Avila versus Julia Stoliarenko is absolutely ridiculous that's going to be a, a very violent fight no doubt about that so uh, should be a fun card to lead us into UFC 260 next weekend which is kind of creeping up on us if we're really thinking about it a lot of people forget that that's going down next week with two title fights but uh This game, ladies and gentlemen, we could do a drum roll, even though we already know what's going to happen. It's going to continue, all right? Very, very little pomp and circumstance. Jose gets the point. It's on to the knockout round. And we're going to have some fun with this one, my friends. We're bringing back a segment that you have loved in the two, maybe three times that we've done this. But uh, for those who are new to the game, the knockout round, the competitors have no idea where this question is going to go. They will each have 60 seconds to respond in the round. And once oh they are done speaking, I know this is pressure, right? We will then turn it over to Judge E. Casey Leiden with the help of the listeners and fans to render the final decision. So, Jose, you are the champion. You want to go first or do you want to pass this over to Sarah and figure out what the hell is going on right now?
4: Is this the two doors, two questions, or the same question? It's,
3: no, it's there's okay. th- there's some doors, there's some doors.
4: Uh, I don't think you've done this yet. I'll let Sarah go because I'm curious about what's happening right now.
3: Okay, I don't think Jose has seen this before, uh, to be honest. But this is a segment, this is a segment called "What Am I Thinking?" All right, where there oh, are two no. randomly oh, selected no. fighters to choose from. And you pick door number one or door number two. Whenever you receive the name, you're going to have one minute to put yourself in this person's shoes. You don't have to do voices or anything like that. I mean, you can if you'd like, but you have one minute to just say what they might be thinking right now. And these are randomly drawn earlier today. So Sarah, without really knowing what the hell's going on right now, do you want door number one or door number two? Uh,
2: door number
3: two. Ooh, this should be fun. Sarah? You are the nicest mf -er in the UFC, Steven Wonderboy Thompson. He wanted that next title shot. It went to Jorge Mazada, which may have actually been the best case scenario outside of him getting it. But right now, you're putting yourself in the shoes of one Steven Thompson. What are you thinking? One minute on the clock. Your time starts right now.
2: Well, you know, I would just like to say I'm very excited for Jorge Masvidal. We've stepped in the cage together. We had a great fight. Uh, You know, I was really looking forward to having my opportunity to get that title shot. But I understand that other people sometimes step ahead of me and, and take those shots away from me. But I won't hold it against them because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a competitor. I'm a martial artist. And it's all about integrity. It's all about respect. And I respect both of my opponents. Uh, that could have been my opponents, but they're not. So here we go. You know, I'll just keep training. I'll work with my dad. Uh, I'll just do nice things out in the community to make sure that everyone knows that I am the nicest person that's in the UFC. Uh, And I'll quietly work my way up until I'm about 45, and hopefully at some time get my title shot. But if I don't get my title shot, I just wanna say thank you so much to all of my fans in the UFC who are gonna be watching at Masvidal and Usman in what's going to be a great title fight.
3: Wow, that was outstanding. That was really, really good. That was really, really good. I'm, okay. a, I'm super impressed right now. Jose is like, damn it, I should. <laughs> what am I going to do? No, but there's not, only I'm one.
4: Not, I'm nice enough to put my, my mind inside Wonderboy.
3: Well, we're going to see if you can put your mind inside this fighter because there's only one door left and the name you have drawn is someone we've already mentioned on the show juliana peña juliana uh, has a, had a lot to say over the last week and a half wanting a wanting the next title shot at 135 against amanda Nunes. some folks are in on this some are shaking their heads at this notion so one minute on the clock what are you thinking juliana peña and go well first of
4: all like Why wouldn't I get the next shot at Amanda Nunes? It's just logical. Like, I haven't fought her yet. GDR had her shot. Holly Holm had her shot. What else is Amanda Nunes going to do? Yes, I took the fight against Valentina Shevchenko when I had already gotten the title fight at UFC 200. Because let's not forget, I was at the end of that table with Amanda Nunes in the belt, and someone asked me, by the way, only question of the press conference, I saw that very handsome reporter, Jose Young, sitting in the front row. So yes, of course I remember this this press conference. The wind was blowing. Brock Lesnar almost got blown away before we came in and sat down. I deserved the shot. And then what? Ronda Rousey gets to come back. She gets a title fight. And then Amanda Nunes just go gets to fight Raquel Pennington because I lost to Valentina Shevchenko in a fight. I was winning and then overlooked her. And so what? I have to fight Jermaine Duran and me. I should have gotten the title for already. You know, Mother's Day is coming up. Amanda's a mom. I'm a mom. Let's fight on Mother's Day weekend to see who the baddest mom in the sport is. All this MMF, MM, BMF stuff, forget it. Baddest mom in the world. Let's
3: make it happen. Wow. This is why I love this segment so much. It was amazing because, like, once I said go, Sarah's face for Steven just – turned all nice and sweet. And then Jose, his eyes, you just see fire in them and steam coming out of his ears. You guys really took this to heart and I'm impressed by both of you. But luckily, I'm a big coward and I don't have to make this decision. We turn it over to the judge, the jury, the executive producer, the incomparable, baddest stash in MMA media, E. Casey Lydon, to render the final decision. Casey, perhaps you've seen what the, uh, the viewers have had to say about this battle. It is up to you who is the champ of Between the Links.
0: (sighs) This might have been the most competitive uh, final round we've ever had on Between the Links. It was just exceptional. And um, man, oh man. Okay, let me tally this up. Carry the one. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. Okay, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. I I did the math. All right, here we go, here we go. You're a winner. I'm scoring the final round of 10 10. It's a draw, so the belt stays and still.
3: Wow, all right. I'll take it. (laughs) i've never seen this before a draw a draw
2: no one likes a draw
3: no one likes a no contest
0: it's the theme of the week week. (laughs) it's the theme no contest it's the theme that's how we do things here
3: oh my god at least it was like a Figuero Moreno type draw where it was action packed from start to finish. There were no so, eye uh, pokes. It,
0: it was poke. this it, it, it was it was a ten ten. There was uh, no clear winner.
4: Excuse me, one one of the opponents cheated and brought a dog onto the show. That's worse than an illegal me. Ooh. Uh
2: the dog ruined my first round. So backfire. You I gave Backfired. it
3: to you. Alright, that's fair. That's true. (laughs) Well, Jose, you are the the champion still. It was, uh, listen, you do what you got to do to take the belt home with you. So you still get 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about, good, bad, and different in the sport of MMA. Sarah will also get her chance, but kick us off, my friend.
4: Man, I was not expecting to win this fight. So I have absolutely, I did not prepare any sort of victory speech whatsoever. Um, I mean, I'll be at UFC 260 and UFC 261, so... I guess watch for all the content coming. And UFC 261, I would say normally, if you're in the crowd, come say hi. But don't do that. Leave. Don't come near me. Uh, I'm going to be as far away. I'm going to try to be as far away from the fans as possible. So if you're in there and you see me, you can yell at me from six feet away or behind the plexiglass. Please don't come near me. Please don't cough on me. And please don't come and high five or, you know, ask me where Jed Mishu is or Pete's Keller or any of that stuff. Let's just play it safe in Jacksonville.
3: There you go. Sarah and uh, and Rhino, you have 30 seconds as well. It was a draw after all. And uh, what would you like to say to the peeps, good, bad, and different? sport of mixed martial arts? Anything you want to plug? The floor is yours.
2: Well, we definitely want to say we apologize for ruining the ambiance that was Jose Young's speech and his speaking. And also for ruining my point of view when I was trying to get some good information across to the fans. But, you know, we'll live to fight another day. We're ready to fight. We're ready to go. I won't show anybody my toes for today. You'll have to save that for maybe, I don't know, like an OnlyFans page that's only my left toe, but that can be seen in the future. Uh, for now, you know, just doing my thing. Uh, sitting in Canada, we'll watch the fights from here. No one can touch me because I'm in Canada. Uh, anyway, so I guess don't say hi to me at the fights. I'm going to say hi to me online. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Excellent. What a battle. Unbelievable. Sarah, you'll be back for sure. But uh, that'll do it this week on Between the Links. For Jose Youngs, Sarah Kaufman, Rhino, E.K.C. Lydon, I am Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn takes you out of here. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next week.
0: This has been Between the Links. I'm Esther Lynn. You know this because I say my name whenever I speak. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Tools. Toodles, everyone! I
3: don't know why
4: I'm waving. You can't see me, but I'm waving. Bye-bye!
3: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA.